This week on Invasion of the Podcast, Batman's mortal enemy was a sign spinner? We talked to artist Justin Stewart about his new vampire-based comic, Bleed Leaders. And Steve goes to WrestleMania, kinda. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the of tension. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. I'm Paul, and on my left is Steve. Hello, everyone. And this is uh, one of those episodes that's going to be a little weird for us, but you guys are going to be like, huh, everything sounds perfectly normal. Uh, we we did an interview uh, just a little while ago with uh, Justice Stewart talking about his comic Bleed Leaders, and it was a great interview. Um, yeah. I mean, him, not us. I mean, we were, we were you know, there, and he- We were great. ourselves. Yeah, we, yeah there, the mistakes were made. Uh, but no, we, we just got uh, done talking to him and it was amazing. You guys are going to hear that here in a bit, but just to front sell, it was a good talk and you know, we'll, we'll talk about his comic and then we'll plug his stuff again at the end after. So, yeah, absolutely. but yeah, it was a lot of fun. And thanks again for him coming on the show and talking to us. It was a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, so now we're going to do the beginning of the show cause we've already done the middle. I mean, yeah. why not? Right. So, uh, the, the weekend, I know we normally have our big lengthy discussion about the weekend. Um, I just want to say I had a weird weekend in the sense of the movies I watched. And so I, I um, watched uh, a 1970s Italian crime film um, with, with Franco Nero, like our friend from uh, Enter the Ninja. Beautiful eyes. Uh, it was uh, called Street Law. And it was it was good. Like, I mean, it was directed by uh, uh, Castellari, the guy that did uh, 1990 Bronx Warriors. Okay. So you've seen some of Enzo Castellari's uh, work. So this is his Italian uh, polizia like stuff. So I will say this, not having to worry about making like a fake future, like definitely helps the budget go further. Like if you're just going <laughs> to set it in the modern day. So the film looks I'm pretty, pretty sure good. That's, that's safe to say of all movies. Yeah. So it was like, you know, there, there wasn't an issue of like, I wonder about the production value of this. So yeah. no, it was good. But then uh, I ended up uh, going to go see dragged across concrete. Okay. Uh, that's the new, um, Oh, uh, I guess Yeah, that's it. I uh, that I, I knew the name was going to blank on me. And I'd already seen I'd seen his previous work, uh, Brawl Cell Block ninety nine, and it's it was showing a limited release at the Capitol Theater here in Cleveland. And I've had friends who have seen this on VOD, and they're like, "This is a really good movie." And I'm like, "Well, what's in the theater? I'll just go see it." Yeah. It's like it's almost three hours long, and it is one of those movies that it's it's like I have I, I may not be as blown away by it by as everybody else, but. You, whenever you see a well-crafted film that is good in what it does and executes that well, you still walk away with being like, wow, I, I saw somebody's like master craft with yeah. this. So a good movie, but it's one of those like purposeful. It's not slow. Isn't the right word measured is the right word to describe the interaction with the way the characters are, the way the story goes. I mean, it doesn't feel so much like a movie, but it's like you stepped into this life and then you're stepping out of it. You know, it isn't like that kind of quick cuts or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. um, and uh, Vince Vaughn's in it. No Gibson, which as conflicted as I am as him about a man, he is a hell of an actor. Is like, is it just a special engagement screening? Was it just like one showing? Or no, they were showing it for like five days. But okay. it's like uh, it's like it's showing right now, but it's not a very long theatrical run, at least right. here. 
Uh, but it is available in VOD. Because well, that's the thing. I I guess that's the era that we're in right now. Is is that like you know smaller budget films, even with big stars, are getting lim- limited theatrical and going VOD, which is not you know disparaging I, I, that at all. Yeah, I, just I don't know that, how this would have played with a wide release. Maybe it would have made it would have been fine, but I don't know about the cost associated with it versus what it takes yeah. back in. I don't know. Well, I I think of you know the movie Mandy, which you know I think should have had a longer theatrical run. Than but it did. it did though. It kind of ended up getting because people kept showing up so they kept extending it yeah you know? i guess that's fair so, so uh so yeah that was like a three-hour movie and then you know um and also in the meantime i watched the nicholas cage film mom and dad that oh, was nice. uh and i wanted that movie to be better than it was so frustrating like there's, I, I there's good it, there's so. good ideas in it and then it's like but then there's other things that happen i'm like well we don't need that and then like the, i don't i don't mind an abrupt ending mm-hmm. with the film but whenever the movie I feel like isn't over and it ends, I'm like, why did that happen? So this movie just like I thought there was another like at least another ten minutes in it, and it just stops. You're like, which what? is worse to you though, a movie that should have ended ten minutes earlier, or a movie that uh, ends and you think there could have been another ten minutes? Um, whenever I feel like you haven't resolved the main story and it just stops, that kind of pisses me off. Okay. Like so, the the hook of the film. Is just that one day something happens where a signal or something happens where parents suddenly have this urge and desire to kill their children. And it's like you kind of get the sense of the scale, like it's all over the place. And so Nick Cage and um, his wife is. Selma Blair. Yes. I haven't that, seen the no, film, it's Selma Blair, you're right. Uh, you know, eventually it comes down to like they, they're near their kids and this is what starts to happen. And it's like, okay, well, I don't need an explanation for why it's happening, but I need a resolution in the household. And I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. It's, it doesn't really come. Okay. And it's very like, well, okay, you gave me two thirds of an interesting movie, and then it's kind of, it just kind of stops. And well, it's very frustrating. I always think of it in terms of uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, which is a movie that I love, but I would have been happy if they had lost the last ten minutes of it. So. No, that's fine. I agree. I, that movie would have been complete with the story was gotcha. being told, okay. and the, with with her, you know, with what happened. Like you don't need to see that other part, you know. And but the, with this, it's like, you know. Could you could you give him something? Because they, they do this thing in the movie where they do flashbacks to yeah. the parents, the way they're interacting with their kids before. So there's more you get more understanding of the dynamic dynamic of the relationships, and that's okay. But it's like I don't know if I necessarily needed all this to inform the movie I'm watching. Um, it, I don't know. Like it's it, it's the director's vision of what he wanted. Uh, there are a couple nice music cues in it. Like there's one with uh oh um. It must have been love that uh was it the was it the um oh rock set was it that the was that them that did that oh wow it, it yeah, must have been yeah, love yeah, yeah. there there's a whole bit with uh, a mother that just has a newborn baby and then it just uh it just turns and it's oh, like wow. it goes pretty dark and uh-huh. but it's like that's kind of a fun music cue you know with that whole like you know it, it could have been love or whatever whatever the song title is but it's like you hear that music cue and you're like oh this isn't going to go well. So that's interesting, you know, and so they explore some parts of what this could mean, but it just, you know, watch it for yourselves, guys. Maybe you'll like it. Like I gave it like a two and a half out of five. So it's like right down the middle of, I didn't hate it. There's things I liked. Nick Cage going bonkers is always fun, but it could have been something more. Sure. You know? Yeah, I'm. It must have been love, but it's I didn't know out. it was on Hulu. I plan on checking it out. Yeah, so. sorry, not to ruin it, but you're gonna you're gonna text me and be like, the movie just stopped. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, it's over. <laughs> it must have been love. It's over now. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, real quick, that was a, a bunch of like very serious crime films, and then Nicolas Cage just trying to kill his kids. That's what I call weekend. Nice. Yeah. Uh, my weekend was uh, pretty 
pretty uh, laid back. Uh, my wife is out of town. Uh, our youngest dog, Bruce, who's almost one, had to have his stitches taken out because he was neutered a couple weeks ago. Oh, I thought he, I thought he snitched on somebody. No, in the, no, in the dog yard. <laughs> he knows, <laughs> like, this. like a milk bone shit just came over, <laughs> like you know. He knows snitches get stitches. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, so I had to take him to the vet on on uh, uh, Saturday morning to get that done. Um, and then I spent most of the day working and uh, watching movies. So um, I I examined a couple examined. I watched a couple <laughs> of movies that uh, have been on my list for a while that came out not last year but the year before that I hadn't had a chance to see. I watched The Big Sick and Disaster Artist. Enjoyed both of them. Uh, and then the last movie that I watched was well, no, that's not true. I watched two other movies. I watched uh, Hell Night. Which is a Linda Blair film from like the early eighties. Okay. Um, Wonder why the caster. <laughs> well, it's interesting because like it's a college like party, like it's an initiation prank. Like, okay. A, it's a uh, when you rush a fraternity. Okay. Like, it's like hell week. Hell, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, I watched uh, since Larry Cohen had passed away, I'd never seen. Um, Cue the wing serpent. Okay. So uh, I sat down and watched that. Cause, uh, and I think I've mentioned this before. If you have um, the Shout Factory um, uh, app available on whatever system you're watching on, download it. There's a lot of great stuff on there that you can watch for free. Like, um, I watch both of those movies there. Hmm. Um, and there's tons more that I still want to watch. So Okay. But uh, that was that was my, my weekend. It's pretty laid back. Um, nothing too exciting. All right. So... It's just uh, we'll just get into the news. There's some, there's some interesting things to talk about. Not that there's not ever interesting things to talk about, I guess, because it'd be like nothing happened this week. I guess we're done now. No, <laughs> um, where's my news button? It's right here. Good news, everyone. Every week the news button is in the same spot. Every week I forget. Like I feel like I'm the guy from Memento, where it's just I have to pick a tattoo on my arm of like news button is located here. You know. Also, John G is the real killer. You know. Like, <laughs> I, I really like that idea. Um, what you folks don't know at home is is that like. Paul works on an extremely large board with various many <laughs> buttons so. and levers and dials. It's it's akin to uh, the gear works that uh, Charlie Chaplin was in a modern times. Yes. Like I just get stuck in it sometimes and spin amongst the gears trying to reach for buttons. It's it's just good that we're not in like you know a, a cockpit of an airplane. You know <laughs> no. No, um, if if if, it, if the big red button said landing gear, I'd be like, "Where did it go?" And like, like <laughs> and it's like, "I, I want to find it eventually, guys, and we'll all be dead." And be like, "No, no, it's over here somewhere." I make jokes, and my only responsibility is to show up and talk. <laughs> he does all the audio stuff, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, he can't find the button." Har, har. Every week, though, it's almost like it. I it just, I guess. If I was like a major league pitcher, it's like you know that first one's just going to hit the batter, and like yeah. maybe he'll get better after that. But just uh, just wear wear a really thick helmet. So, um, all right. So uh, today, actually, as opposed to it feels like what was it? News has been like coming out like the day after we record. Yeah, all the there time. are a lot of stories so, that seem to come out like literally like the, the day after we yeah, record. Yeah, or the moment we hit stop. You yeah. know. Uh, so the the new Todd Phillips, um, Joaquin Phoenix. Joker film, like the first official, like fully trailer came out. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
Um, this is something we've talked about previously because there's DC kind of saying that they, they don't have a, like a universe like of movies anymore. It's this old else worlds or no worlds of DC is what they called it. I think. Yeah. So this is one of those ones. It's like, it's kind of, it's a DC film, but it's supposedly it's not tied into anything else. And unless it's successful, then it's directly tied into everything else. It's essentially their way of saying we don't have Kevin Feige. So we're going to stop trying to connect things and let things just be made yeah and then and, and then wonder woman comes out everyone's like that's pretty good and then aquaman comes out they're like that's pretty good too and then everybody's like over the moon about shazam so they're like now that things are connected the three movies that are supposed to be connected they're like nah. yeah yeah so yeah anyway so uh steve had not seen the trailer until we got together before we started recording uh it was funny we watched it and you looked at me you're like well what are your thoughts on it so I want to. I want to do it to you. What are your thoughts on it? So I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like I should love it, and I can't put my finger on why I don't. Um, I, I don't know if it's just you know, we've talked about it on you know numerous shows. Batman was the first comic I ever bought. I've got a very special place in my heart for the Joker. So I'm trying to keep in mind that like. You know, maybe it's a good thing, you know, in, in the sense like we had that discussion about us last week where you were like, uh, you know, I, I, I can't get to a place where I say that I fully fall, fallen in love with it. And I, I mentioned, you know, like it's, it's just good that we're having this discussion. I'm like, I would much rather have a discussion about a movie that maybe doesn't always work for everyone than just a movie that just, yeah, there's no discussion to be had at all. And I, I, I feel like I'm trying to keep that in the back of my head because I'm also very cognizant of the fact that like in 2007 2008 whenever it was that they released that first photo of um Heath Ledger's the Joker I was like oh that's going to be terrible so I was completely wrong on that um and I'd like to think that I've grown in some capacity uh, other than my waist size um but I I really hope that like it's a good movie and I I admit that like part of it is that I still don't think my brain can comprehend a Joker movie without Batman. So hey, there's a Venom movie without Spider Man. I, I, I don't know if you I, know that or not. And With Bane like, is Venom. Think about that. <laughs> it, it looks like it's all the things that I'm like, oh, this is totally a movie that I would be in for if it wasn't the Joker. So I, I'm really hoping that like I can get over my non excitement for the trailer because. I'm sure that I'm probably in the minority and I don't know if you are though that so like I feel like people were kind of waited waiting like anxiously for what we're going to see of this because when you saw the initial makeup of Joaquin Phoenix as as this Joker you know reactions were mixed and seeing it more full length in the trailer and kind of in motion and kind of seeing the various stages of it mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of okay with it and then talking to you as like this reminds me of John Wayne Gacy a little bit and it's like his makeup was more exaggerated, but yeah. the colors and like the it's they're not that far off. Yeah. And so it's it's like if subconsciously I'm getting that vibe, I don't think they're I don't think they're failing at what they're doing. So and also I feel like we talked about this before we started recording that now it's almost it's unspoken rule that anybody anytime anybody approaches the Joker as a, like an actor in a physical movie, they have to do a completely different setup in terms of makeup and in terms of like everything. And I think it's just because since there was such a sharp difference between Nicholson, well, even you go from Cesar Romero to Nicholson, which, yeah. you know, 
Romero was more the clown prince, and then Nicholson was that guy that would tell the jokes that aren't funny, but everybody has to laugh or else he's going to kill you. And then you go to Heath Ledger, where they took the Joker as more of the literal wild card. Yeah. And then you got Jared Leto, where it's like, but what if the Joker doesn't take baths, you know, or whatever it is that they did with him? <laughs> like, what if this Joker just looks like he smells? Like, what if we do that? <laughs> so, like, those are four very different looks, and yes. this one is very different as well. And, which is interesting to me because, like, they don't do that with many other characters. It's not like, you know, like, like the... I know Spider Man changes costume sometimes, but it'd just be like, you know what? What if, like, what if, what if we just actually just put a bunch of legs on him? Like people, because like, <laughs> yeah. he's literally a Spider Man, right? Like you know, what if, what if bright yellow was his outfit? Let's just do that. It'll be different. <laughs> but like when it comes to his actual like suit, there are shades of like the Romero Joker in uh, a couple of the scenes, um, as far as like the visual look there. So like I feel like it's trying to create something new and also pay homage. I, I'm I'm absolutely good with that. I'm good with them taking a different approach to the Joker. Um, but I, I'm I'm curious to know how we're going to get from point A to B. And, like, it's really unfair to be, like, I watched one trailer and I should know everything about the movie. Like, Did you see this tweet from The Onion about it? it no. says, New Joker trailer introduces iconic villain to same generation of fans. <laughs> That's very fair. That, that, so, I mean, the, I, but also, like, the makeup also reminds me a little bit of the initial Joker masks that were used in The Dark Knight. Oh, absolutely. So, like, it makes me wonder if there's some, some not connection, but I, I don't know. Like, I. You know, now that I think about it, I think it's that we didn't see him doing anything Joker esque in the trailer. Like, it, it's, it focuses more on how he becomes the Joker. Or and just I'm sure that's how the entire movie. How much of a sad sack of shit he is in the, the, the yeah. trailer. Yeah. Because this 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 one feels like just from the initial first blush of this trailer, it feels like like if someone it, had there never been another superhero film that someone's like let's just take this one thing and see if we could do this as like a feature film and and remove ourselves away you know like I yeah. it, it not, not that I feel like comic book movies aren't films because they certainly are but this feels more like a like a. <laughs> It, it feels like a 70s film, like in terms of its texture. So maybe it is like closer to something like like Taxi Driver, which I say that not have seen the movie, but, you know, I don't know. It has a different f- f- color to it. And that's not no pun intended. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why it doesn't it doesn't feel like the rest of the stuff. And and maybe that's not such a bad thing. Like, I, I am trying to stay cognizant of that. I just wish that I could have been excited by it. And I, I feel kind of. Uh, just disappointed not so much with the trailer but like i wanted because you know i i I wanted to love it so that i didn't just you know and again in october we may be having a totally different conversation in that like this movie comes out and i'm like oh i don't know what i was thinking back in april (laughs) you know i've been wrong before yeah well i i I have been absolutely wrong before so um yeah i i'm really hoping that it's a movie that i love it's not like that trailer deterred me from seeing the movie by no means at all well so here i'll give you i'll give you a counterpoint um with the the two um, Spider-Man films that came out before they did the the most recent Tom uh, uh, Holland stuff, amazing with, with, Spider-Man when they did with um, uh, Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I did not see either one of those in the theater. And you know me, I love Spider-Man. This the trailer. I was like, well, they're trying to do like a like a Batman Begins, like sad. I mean, Peter Parker does. Ha- he's down on his luck, but I'm like, I didn't need like something about the vibe of the look of the film. I'm like, I'm good. And I did not see those movies until years later. So I, I kind of understand where you're coming from, where it just it, it it wasn't for me. Maybe maybe those are someone's favorite Spider-Man films. Mm-hmm. It could be. I mean, I, the first one's not bad. The second one's kind of a mess, but it just. I, it didn't compel me enough to go want to go see it in the theater. So I, I, I kind of get that. Yeah. And, you know, maybe this is going to be something, you know, it, it it definitely has that art house feel to it as opposed to. That's probably a better you know, way to put it. Yeah. Uh, your big budget. Like even even Tim Burton, I suppose, probably in 89 had more art house sensibilities to it than, say, most films. But like uh, it definitely feels like not what I was expecting and that's not ex- exactly a bad thing. So, all right. So, all right. Uh, Hopefully I can get more excited about it as we get closer to the film. Right. So, all right, that's it. So uh, enough Joker talk. Now we're going to talk about the Joker again. Uh, so with the new um, child's play movie coming, like the, the new reboot, even though there's a child's play TV series that still follows the original mm-hmm. mythology and timeline, uh, which there was a trailer. I didn't, I don't know if I actually, I think I saw it without sound or something. And it was like, eh, you know, it looked okay. It's been confirmed that Mark Hamill's actually doing the voice of the new Chucky. And who, I, when I say we go from one Joker to the next, you know, he's I, known for the being the voice of the Joker in the animated series and being quite good at it. Like he's, Talk about someone making it his own. Like, yeah. yeah. So you were telling me that people, some people were initially upset that Brad Dourif wasn't doing the voice of Chucky, but then they're like, wait, Mark Hamill? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's the interesting thing. Like, well, A, like uh, if you're follow if you follow the, the child's play films or the, they're pretty much just branded as Chucky films now, uh, simply because I believe there's a right dispute between yeah, Universal I think so. and, yeah. But, like, Don Mancini has been uh, essentially a piece of every piece of, of... He's been a piece of piece? He's been a piece <laughs> of every child's play that's been since the original. Um, and he's sort of the one who's taken the reins from, I would say, Bride of Chucky on as far as, like, taking the character in new directions. Um, so I, there, there is that divide in the horror community in the sense that, like, He's been doing this for so many years. You don't get very many franchises at all that still have the original creator involved 30 years later. Yeah. Um, and it is weird to have competing products of a Chucky TV series and a Chucky movie coming out. Um, but on the other end of, of that, with people's reactions, you know, and, and I'll be the first one to admit, there have been a lot of remakes that have been announced where I'm just like, Ugh, why are they remaking that? But at the same time, or like a standalone Joker film. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) at least looking across like comments on the horror community before the 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 voice was announced, a lot of people seem to be like, "There's no way. It's always going to be Brad Dourif. It'll never be anybody else." And then suddenly it's announced it's Mark Hamill, and everybody like, "Well, I might just check this out." (laughs) Yeah. And I'll be the I'll be the first one to admit that like this went from a maybe I'll check it out to yeah I'm probably gonna go see this in the theater now. Now you're right. Like I kind of had no interest. Not the movie, like the trailer. Like I said, from what I saw, it looks it looks okay. Just I I just nothing about it made me like jump out at me. But 
with Hamill knowing that he could inhibit a character because he's not physically acting, he's just doing the voice of this. I mean, unless they have him like dress up as a doll, that would be. I mean, that'd it, be weird. I, I'm kind of down for it though. If you remember though, and I don't know if they'll go this route, but in the original Child's Play, you know, Brad Dourif plays Charles Lee Ray at the, the beginning, beginning of the yeah. film, so, so maybe he'll have some live screen action time, which is interesting because they actually. In the last Child's Play movie that came out, or the last Chucky, I think it's Curse of Chucky, they actually showed Duraf again as that character in flashbacks. So, like, he's still technically playing the Charles. Do Lee you think Ray Mark Hamill will get more screen time, at, like, as the actor in this film, or as much screen time as he had in Kingsman? I uh, see. I have not seen oh, Kingsman. Oh, so, sorry. Spoiler: He's not in it for very long. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, so either way though, like you know, he can inhibit a, a character uh, as a voice actor, you know. Uh-huh. So, like this is not the this might be quote unquote stunt casting because you know him as the Joker and can do this, but this isn't like stunt casting of like you know who's going to be the voice of Chucky. Um, I don't know Chris Hemsworth or something. Right. You know, like it'd be weird to be like, why is that doll Australian? I don't know, but I mean, it's great casting. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Like, I, I, I would put Mark Hamill in everything if I was in Hollywood. So that's not a problem for me. But like, uh, I will say that it was just it was such a funny turnaround of like people who are like decrying a remake being being made were suddenly like, hey, I might check well, that yeah, out. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> yeah. So again, now our interest. Is, so. Interest is waning with the Joker, but interest is now up with uh, with Chucky because of the Joker. And maybe it's a weird, if they, you weird know, life that we're in right now. Overdub, uh, you know, Walking Phoenix with, <laughs> with Mark, Mark Hamill. <laughs> <laughs> what what if they have Walking Phoenix go all method for Child's Play and play Chucky? You know, that would be that'd be weird. That would be weird. Yeah, I'd um, probably still see it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, last story we have here, yeah, um, with. Uh, Endgame, Avengers. Uh, that was Infinity War and Avengers together. Avengers, Avengers, Avengers. So with Avengers Endgame coming out soon, uh, what what's happened with most of like the Avengers films? They'll do a marathon of that, like going up to that film. Like there's like it must have been real easy in the first one because it's like oh guys four movies and then we're going to show you the Avengers and then like then they did it for Age of Ultron and that got to be a bit unwieldy, right? So AMC is now offering all 22 Marvel films in a 59-hour marathon. And then I'm going to guess, I haven't read the article in full, that what they'll do then, as soon as that's over, show Endgame, which if this is not part of that 59 hours, that's another three hours on top of it. So that's almost, um, that's two and a half days of sitting through Marvel movies. Yeah, I don't know who's going to put themselves through that. Like, (sighs) I just, I've done... God, it's been forever, but I've done a film festival where I've been in the theater from like 10 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, and that's a rough seat for, sit for me. I've never done an overnight. I have, um, yeah. And I, I know you two. have, but two, like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I can't imagine. Sorry, it's 56 hours, then you get to the final three hours, which is, so it's 56 hours of those films, and the last three are in game. I so. mean, do you like. Do I mean you that take changes naps everything. During movies that you don't care for, <laughs> no. like you're like, oh, it's. I could do you know. 59 hours. I couldn't do 62. That's too much. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, supposedly, yeah, that's like the, there's the joke here. It's like you could take some naps during Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> like, um, I, I just I don't know what. How do you 
how do you mentally prepare for something like that? Cause I'm sure there's some excitement going in and you watch, watch the first couple, like even with like the 12 hours of terror, like, like with, which is the Cleveland local promotion they'll do around Halloween. And it's 12 hours of horror films. That's fun. But then there's still like, like you get halfway through where you're just like, yeah, yeah this is, this is great. Is this one over yet? Like, it's just like, like, oh, pumpkin. That's cool. Well, let's say, did he get, just give him his revenge now. Can we just move on to the next one, please? Um, so, you know, like it, it's fun, but I don't think I, I might, I might could do like a 24 hour marathon with the right prep, but I don't think I could go really beyond that. I think I get a little loopy. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe it's cause I'm over 40 at this point and my body's never been like a temple anyway, but I don't know that I could do. <laughs> I mean, there's just art, there's garbage hours. scattered all about already. So yeah. like, oh. like, I don't know that I, I, 12 hours would be tough for me. Like for instance, um, you know, this uh, Friday we're going to see um, the documentary Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, which is about the actor uh, Mark Patton, who was in the second Nightmare on Elm Street film. Mm. And, you know, my wife was like, oh, do we do we have the Nightmare on Elm Streets? And I'm like, do, do you remember who you're married to? <laughs> yes, we have the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. But um, she's like, oh, maybe we should take like a Saturday and just do like a marathon of them all. And I'm like, OK. And then in my head, I'm like, even from the comfort of my home, I'm like, I don't know that I can do that all in one day. Like, I, I mean, to to sit down on the couch with my wife and watch three episodes of a half hour TV show is a stretch now. Where I'm just like, all right, is there anything else we could be doing? Like, <laughs> you know. Um, so, well, then also I just want to mention our, uh, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Rob, uh, who's you know friend of the show. He last year was down in Columbus and did the the 24 hour marathon of Groundhog Day, where they just showed Groundhog Day for 24 hours. I. Hats off to him. You know, he did it, and there was a really good reward for doing and, it. And I've seen him, like, he, he does a lot of these marathons where yeah. he'll also, like, prep, where he's like, I haven't had caffeine in, like, two weeks. So yeah, that, he'll, like, he'll, he'll go through these phases of, like, you know, not... Because he knows that that will be that will be the, the train that, full of fuses, like in Back to the Future Three, that's just going to push him over the ridge right. to get to the end of the, the marathon. But, like, 59 hours, like, I, you know... Let's say that you do it and you're like, I want to, I want to power nap through some of the ones I don't much care for. It's still going to be loud. So how yeah. do you, how do you sleep restfully? Then also, how do you not think that you're not going to be a smelly hobo at the end of that? <laughs> like, you're just going to be, you're going to be sweaty. You're probably going to fall asleep on some milk duds. You know, there's going to be people around, like, and the people around you are going to stink too. Like, hey, to be fair uh, though, like, if you're going to fall asleep on a candy, milk duds is a good one to fall asleep. Yeah, on. I guess. Um, I just, I just feel like this is almost like a Black Mirror level like experiment to be like, oh no, no, this is fun, and then, and then they're going to be like, by the way, the doors don't open, and it's going to become, uh, was it Demons Three or something, <laughs> where they'll be like, oh, by the way, um, these movies are going to play whether you like it or not, and then, yeah. Yeah, it's funny though. You mentioned the whole like stinky hobo thing. Like maybe the ticket should come with like a stick of right guard and like just, you know mouthwash. It just it comes with one of those face masks that you could wear out in public to like not not get SARS or whatever, and then and inside of it's like a breathe like a breathing strip or something. I don't know. Like I just feel like because I know if, if I went to this and and I fell asleep, people are gonna be like, we can't hear the movie over you, like because I'll be snoring. Like, you know, like a bear that ate seven bears or whatever. And it, it would just be, it just, unless, 
if it was something where it's like, we'll give you the, the full Marvel experience. It's over four days and we have a sleeper trailer outside. I'd be like, <laughs> okay, I can do that, you know, but my goodness. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I honestly don't understand why they're not just doing like, you know, oh, we're going to do Avengers, say Avengers 2, um, Civil War, Infinity War, and then this. Like, I mean, that's five movies. E- that's even still saying, a long sit. E- yeah, even saying, hey, you know, if you buy a ticket, you'll get to see Infinity War and then Endgame. I'd be like, okay, well, that's my day. Like, I'm yeah. going to go do that. Like, I mean, here I am saying I watched, like, almost a three-hour movie in the theater this week. So it isn't like I'm, I'm not against the long set. It's just... You know, if I had to watch another three-hour movie after that, like I don't think my brain would be there. You know, so anyway, we're gonna we're gonna hear stories of people probably dying in the theater trying to watch the Marvel <laughs> films, and then and then AMC will be like, no, 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 that was just a joke. Thanos snapped, half the theater disappeared. We don't know what happened to the bodies. It's fine. And then you know, like then they'll be selling Soylent Green and the, the you know. The concession stand. I don't know. So is twenty-four hours the cap? Is that is that where you think they should? Because I don't, I don't know that I could even do twenty four hours. Like, I, I, I feel really like I mean, if 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 I prepared and, and did the whole like caffeine detox and I like how you we're know, talking about like like it was like running a marathon. Well, it is though because you have to be like <laughs> oh, to know, be fully like, engaged. You have to be in like, like great shape to be able to run a marathon. And, like, yeah. Well, so not to drag this on too much, but hey, that's what we do. When I was in college. Um, I was at the college radio station. Surprise. This is what all leads to this moment, right? Like I went to school for radio and now I sit in my house and talk into a microphone and scream into the void. Um, but every, what was it? Like towards Christmas, we, they would do a, a 48 hour music marathon where they'd have three DJs stay for 48 hours playing music. And so it was me and two other people. We decided to do this. And the first 24 hours as a college student wasn't that bad. But then like in the second day, things started getting weird. Like, yeah. like I just like you go on air and, and since there was no set format, this is this college radio station. We would try to find things to amuse ourselves to keep awake. So like at one point, I, th- I think we decided, you know what? We're going to play a song from a band, uh, each letter of the alphabet, like, <laughs> it was something like that. <laughs> but then, like, so at that point though, like the, uh, the, um, the one of my, de- like, the, was Lisa and another guy named Paul, they were both out for like out for the count. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I didn't do it. Like I, I got like, I don't know what, 36. Wow. And and then I had to take a nap because it was, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And even then, and that was me actively trying to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So sitting in a movie, a dark movie theater and being comfortable, I, you know, I'd probably fall asleep in the first movie and I'd be like, sir, you have to leave, you know? So anyway, yeah, that's it. So you guys can go buy tickets and go die to theater. So that's really, you know, that's our news now. So you like, you might want to stick around and watch in game or this is your in game that, you know, I'm going to go to the theater and never walk out again. <laughs> and that's Maybe that. that's somebody's like, you know, perfect way of going out. They're like, just take me to the theater, drop me off, say yeah. our goodbyes. Yeah, it's like I'm hoping to be eaten by those around me, and then uh, I, will, I will live on. So, all right. The guy over there hasn't moved for seven movies. <laughs> there was a Saturday Live skit where it was the whole thing of like the these people were in the theater uh, getting ready to watch the movie, and it kept showing trailers. Uh-huh. And, and it became this thing like Tracy Morgan was in one of the back rows, and he was just smiling watching the screen. And it just, it kept going on and more trailers and it goes on for like hours. So it becomes like this dystopian thing in the theater where like they can't get out and it just keeps showing like trailers and all the trailers might be for different movies, but they all have the Chuck Berry, not Chuck Berry, uh, James Brown. I feel good 
playing in all of them and people are slowly being driven mad and they're like, well, that guy in the back, he, he's still smiling. And someone looked down, they're like, he's eating his feet. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. Let us know if you would do the 59 hour challenge and then eat your feet and then eat your feet. (laughs) All right, so that's going to do it for news. Let's just uh, get into our interview that we had uh, with Justin Stewart. It was great, like we said before, and you'll hear us uh, talk to him about his uh, work with uh, his his comic Bleed Leaders, um, and we'll talk about more stuff. I'm sure we've already we'll, – we'll talk about those other things in that part of the interview. So uh, without any further ado, here's our interview with Justin Stewart. And now for our feature presentation. Alrighty, and now for our main feature tonight, we're going to be talking to Justin Stewart. Um, Justin Stewart is a comic book artist. He's worked on everything from Girl Scouts with Jim Mafood. He's worked at Marvel on uh, Howard the Human. He's got a new comic out called Bleed Leaders. We're going to be talking to Justin. Uh, he's on the other uh, end of the line tonight. Uh, Justin, how you doing? I'm excellent, you guys. I'm excellent. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Thank uh, you. Welcome to Invasion of the Podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, uh, I mean, our four listeners will be super excited to have this conversation. So, um, so uh, you guys met at uh, at, a, at the Kentucky what Scarecon? Yeah, right? it's, uh, well, yeah, Scarefest, Scarefest, Scarecon. Yeah. Scare- yeah. Conf- yeah, sorry, it's all okay. the same, man. Yeah. It's all the same. <laughs> I had the word scare in it. Scaredelphia. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah. just- you guys met in a corn maze somewhere out yeah, there. Yeah, I, I should okay. probably actually tell that story because uh, I went that to that convention. It was the first um, horror convention that I'd done to promote my comic. I've only ever done um, comic book conventions. And oddly enough, my partner on the comic, Ryan Cassandy, couldn't come with me. So I had to go it alone. Living in Elyria, Ohio, uh, I feel like it was... I I feel like it was over five hour drive getting yeah. there, um, so I didn't really know anybody, and I was just kind of stuck behind the table the whole weekend. Um, and then at one point, I think it was maybe Sunday of the last day, you would stop by my table and was like, "Hey man, I saw your your banner, and I wanted to come over and say hi and check out your book." Yeah, and- absolutely. Yeah, you had a great looking. I mean, like your character is really cool looking, and uh, and you know, really well designed banner. I'm I'm a uh, graphic designer part. That's the like the part time day job. And uh, not to mention, like, putting books and stuff together is, you know, I'm, I was sort of attracted to design first. And you had a really dope-looking banner. And I was like, I got to go see what that guy's got. Oh, man, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, and that was the thing. Like, you were so nice. You bought a copy. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm like, I don't know if I can get away from my table because they had this weird rule. And I, I know a lot of conventions are like, you can't leave your table unattended, dot, dot, dot. So I was really oh, man. weird about, like, should I be able to leave my table? But finally, it was Sunday. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go walk around. <laughs> Right, and then I got right. over to your table, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this guy's got incredible artwork!" <laughs> uh, I bought your Inktober book. Uh, I think it was for your 2017 edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had uh, picked up some issues of Girl Scouts because I was familiar with Jim Mafood's work previously. Um, whether it be like his, I feel like it was Zombie Boy that he did for Oni back in. Oh yeah, like yeah, that was like his first thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I saw that you'd uh, done some coloring work for him for the most recent Girl Scouts. Um, and then you had this beautiful portfolio of work that you'd done. And I was like, wow, man, this guy's got the goods. And he came and talked to me. What's going on? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, man. And, and I will say, you know, uh, a quick aside if you should ever choose to do Scareface in the future, uh, 
it doesn't matter when you leave your table. They don't care. <laughs> I kind of got that impression as we were going on. I'm like, they don't really care about us over here. We're not in the... No, uh, no they don't. I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the story um, of that show when I got there is I went to drop off my stuff for my table, and the people at the back uh, at the check-in, I said, hey, I'm Justin. I'm on uh, the website. I'm listed at table B13. And the guy goes, yeah, none of them are labeled. <laughs> I went, okay, oh, okay. cool. Um so where do I go set up? And so this one of these dudes gets up from behind the table and walks me over to the middle of Artist Alley and just kind of does the Travolta uh, Pulp Fiction gesture and just goes, oh, one of these? And I was like, like, like All right. okay. And, and that actually had a very similar experience because I got there and I had, I had paid an extra $50 to be a, a featured vendor. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I guess that – guarantees me i think it was supposed to be like a corner table or something along those lines and um i was supposed to get like a an ad that was you know posted during the show and um and i i'm not disparaging the, the scare fest but like i got there and they're like yeah we kind of don't have your table set up and uh we just have to find one for you and i'm like wait yeah, what? I mean, yeah. And, and i didn't you know i didn't want to put anybody on blast you know yeah. right out of the gate but <laughs> no but yeah. we had similar so, experiences so, yeah should you ever do scare fest don't don't fret about leaving your table. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so Justin, if you could, since I, I will admit, I am, I'm not as familiar with your work. I mean, I've, I've dove in deep sure. like the past, you know, week or so. Yeah. And I, you know, and we obviously have a lot here to talk about. And inadvertently I was aware of, like did not know of your work with, uh, the little depressed boy until mm-hmm. recent. Uh, tell us a little bit about like uh, your background and then what brought you to do what you do. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I went, you know, I've always drawn since I was uh, a kid. Uh, so that never really went away. It just sort of it, it, you know, I would draw a little bit and then, then I would stop and then I would draw a little bit. And then, you know, when I got to college, I decided to do, you know, focus on graphic design. Uh, so that's what I went to college for. Um, but during the whole time in school, I was also drawing like, you know, local band flyers and, you know, just kind of trying to do whatever art I could. Um, and then. After college, it just led to I got a design gig uh, here in Kentucky, and then I just sort of kept pursuing, you know, trying to be involved in comics somehow, or some way. Um, so I did the whole web comic thing for a little bit, and you know, and then I did the whole um, the message board thing. Uh, I was heavy into that, and that's where I met actually a lot of the people uh, that I'm still working with and doing stuff for. Um, so I. You know, sort of. I started doing work for Jim uh, in 2005. That was our first our first thing together. Oh, and wow. then, I mean, through him, you know, and also, you know, just being involved in the in the the industry, uh, I've gotten to do a bunch of stuff. So, and it's just it's just you can the the way I've done it is just I've I've kept sort of plucking along, and uh, and I always find at least something to work on. So I'm kind of curious because uh, I know that you're a little bit of a, a jack of all trades in that you, you're a graphic Correct. designer. You do Correct. you're a colorist, you're a letterer, you're a penciler. Um, I told I told uh, um, I did a, a talk about uh, pop culture and, and uh, superheroes and comics and stuff at the University of Kentucky back on Monday, and I said I'm I basically I can do everything except chop down the tree and turn it into paper. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> so you're, so you're not exactly farm to table yet with all your comments. Not yet. Right? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Well, what's it's interesting to me, is there one that you prefer? Because uh, I'll preface this by saying, like, many, many moons ago when I decided I was going to try and make comics, I thought I'd be a penciler. And I found that I love inking. Um, and it's the thing that I do the least now because I do ink digitally, but I don't get to ink very much on paper anymore. Um, and uh, I color and letter book as well. So mm. I've kind of had to fill in similar roles, although I don't consider myself a colorist by any means. Um, is there one that you prefer that, that, or was there something that you were like, I'm going to pencil and then suddenly found that you fell in love with other aspects? Uh, not real. I mean, I, my favorite is inking. Um, kind of the same way like i love to ink on paper you know analog style because there's this um you know there's a the way i approach it anyway is that there's a little bit of chaos in it um i am not a perfect penciler or perfect inker and you know i i completely roll with the the bob ross happy accidents and and all that stuff um so yeah inking is is my favorite stage because you can because sometimes like the the piece will will sort of evolve or, or change as you're inking it that kind of it wasn't initially what you had penciled or what you thought would come out of your head uh, when you were putting it down. And I always find stuff like that fascinating. So like that's the stage where that kind of uh, uh, play can happen. Um, and coloring too, like I color digitally for the most part, um, but I like to try to do a combo of both. Um, I like to do like gray washes and stuff on the page and then scan that and then fool with it in Photoshop. But yeah, my, my absolute favorite is inking because it's a, you can get into a really nice like Zen uh, kind of, it's a, it's a calming aspect, even though it is chaotic and, and there's ink flying everywhere. Um, you kind of get into this zone of, of using the brush and, and the strokes and all that stuff. And it is, it's, it's like a meditation. Yeah, it's it's. I would actually agree. I think it's actually kind of therapeutic, particularly completely, when you get in that completely. zone where you're like, "Oh my god!" Like, I, I I ink the hell out of that or whatever, where you're just like so happy right. with the results. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So with, yeah. In fact, um, in fact, the um, we'll say the uh, you know, when the Blee Leaders Kickstarter was over, the very next job that I sort of just right, I went straight into was an inking gig where I was I was inking over someone else's pencils. And man, that was the best thing to do after having to do a Kickstarter for 30 days. You know, you have to you have to throw so much attention to it every day that my next thing that I went right to was getting into that sort of Zen state of just inking and 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 um, not really having to think about all that stuff. It can kind of just I could I actually relaxed with that job. <laughs> So what's the relationship like between you and then the artist if, if they're presenting you what they've already drawn and then you're inking it? So how's that relationship work in terms of, of what, you know, you find this Zen, but I'm sure there's been instances, not with you, but other times where people have created work that someone came along and did their thing and they're like, that's not what I wanted at all, or that was not my intention. Yeah. It's, it's communication. Um, you know, I mean, back in the day when it was more of an assembly line kind of thing, it was... You know, you got inked by who you got inked by, and then that was it. But now I think that it's um, it attracts sort of like there, there's a, a a communication that should happen between a penciler and an inker, just so you you know that that you can kind of get on the same page about you know what 
what you want to do and what you want the book to look like. Um, so I think that's super important. So yeah, I mean, I was able to do that and I was able to do some, some like test pieces, um, some just, you know, quick pencil pinups kind of stuff that he did and he would send to me and I would ink those and I would send those back and we would just have a little back and forth about, you know, did you dig this? Is this cool? Um, and then through that, you know, I would pull out some stuff that he didn't even think about and vice versa. He would be like, all right, you've inked that now hit, hit that with white, blah, 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 here, here. And, and so that was really cool. So yeah, if you have a, a good relationship, um, then it's, then it's, it's way easier. Yeah. I found with, uh, you know, I've been the guy that I do Saturday night slasher with Ryan, he's been my best friend for like, I don't know, 25 years now. Um, mm. so like we already have like a good relationship, but like, I still feel like he's a better inker for his pencils than I am. Um, oh, yeah. so like, I still like whenever I ask them, like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And it's <laughs> yeah. almost always a like, "Yeah, it looks great, love it," you know. But at the same time, you still have that like nervousness of of like, "Hey, did did I do this?" You know, in a way that you would have liked. Um, oh, sure. You know, yeah. And and there's certainly, I'm sure, you know, I, I've never inked somebody say like a David Finch, but like then there's guys like David Finch who who pencil so tightly that like you're kind of doing basically what they want you to on the page anyway yeah i mean dude dude i would lose my mind i mean like inking someone like david finch would i mean that would be like staring into the the book of the face of cthulhu like i would just go (laughs) insane i mean there's so many lines and there's you know (laughs) yeah or you know uh somebody like mark silvestri or something like that um but yeah and like and also when i pencil i am really loose um so if you were to hand my pencils over to somebody they would just go, you know, what, what drunken ape made all these marks, you know? (laughs) It's like, this looks like a Spielberg storyboard. I don't know what's going on here. Right. Um, Right. So, um, with, um, with the Girl Scouts books, like I know you did the coloring. Did you do the inking on that as well or no? No, no. Jim did, uh, Jim Mafu did all the pencil and inking and, and he wrote it as well. Okay. So. Cause I mean that like I, after reading that, that was, you know, it's, it's whiplash in terms of like the visual style. So I didn't know how sure. someone would be able to chase that kind of energy and bring, I don't know, like I, the color in that book, like I was telling Steve before uh, we talked to you, like I was reading that series and I was about, I was about halfway through. I was like, this looks like some Ralph Steadman work. <laughs> and then Hunter S Thompson shows up and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well yeah. that makes sense now. Like, yeah. so yeah. yeah, you were, you were, you were on the, you were on the correct vibe. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I did not know. So I apologize. I wasn't sure of the, uh, the of what you did specifically for that. I mean, I know the coloring. I know you did. Yeah, but, yeah. well, and like the uh, those pages where it has Hunter S. Thompson in it, um, Jim did his like full multimedia style. So there were pages in that series that I didn't color. It was all Jim, like top to bottom, and then I would come in and put the lettering on top of it. Okay. Um, so like those pages where where Daphne goes into the afterworld and visits Hunter S. Thompson. Like that's all Jim doing his, uh, crazy transcendental psychedelic, uh, stuff that, uh, that, yeah, I just came in the letter, but then every, everything in between those is, is all is me coloring the book. I mean, it seems like it's kind of limitless in terms of like, cause it's just, there's so much, it pops, you know, like it is, it's like, um, waking nightmare isn't the right word, but it's like a waking daydream <laughs> at times. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like it was, it's a, it's a, yeah, man, it's a, it's a, it's a two dimensional acid trip. Right. Um, and, and that's the cool thing about working with Jim is, you know, he, like he was an art hero of mine before I even did anything or met him. 
um, I always just thought his stuff was cool. And like the first thing he ever said when I colored his stuff is he's, he's like, just make it look cool. He said, I don't care. I don't care about getting lighting right. I don't care about getting like proper colors on people's faces. He's like, he's like, if you want to make a person all green or blue, he's like, just make it look cool. And, uh, and that was, and that, and that was right from the jump was, uh, it, it relaxed me. So I was able to sort of do crazy weird stuff and run it by him. And he would be like, yes, that's awesome. Or that's too far or not far enough. Or, you know, would you say that like, uh, when it comes to coloring, it's, do you follow your gut more or do you follow, you know, obviously if you're working with somebody and they give you direction, obviously you have to kind of take that direction. But I, I like, for instance, I'm looking at your stuff and I'm always like, wow, like, these are color choices that I would have never figured out. Like, mm. I think you've got an amazing color theory, um, if that makes sense. Like, I, I feel like your knowledge of color theory is amazing, and I feel like your palettes are always so crisp, and they work so damn well. And <laughs> Thanks, like, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking, and I'm like, God, I could have never gotten here. Like, I, I'm I'm so impressed with that stuff. Uh, how – and it's, it's weird. It's like asking somebody, like, you know, how – you know, tell me how you do this, but, like – Mm. So your coloring t- part. Tell process. us how you do this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 with a computer. Oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Next. It's all, no. it's all MS Paint, Steve. That's, that's, that's what it is. No. You know, you tell anybody that you do comics. Oh, with a computer, does all the work for it. Yeah, it does mm-hmm. all the work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just you just put your, your you just put your Cerebro helmet on, and you just think of it, and it just appears. <laughs> Well, when when I was reading through uh, uh, Bleed Leaders, and then I, so then I read that, then I read the the Girl Scouts. Mm. I, I mean, so am I wrong? And I probably am wrong because I am often wrong. Uh, it feels like like a lot of his work influenced a lot of how with some of your more action and more more intense moments. I see a similar vibe in them. Is that something that like over the time of working with him that that you've kind of like I mean I know you have your own style but is mm-hmm. there things from from working with him that you know you're like I like that I'd rather I'd rather get the emotion cross as opposed to maybe perfect like you know body balance or whatever you know because I know there's sometimes the intent is str- like more there than the reality you know oh yeah yeah, yeah. I mean a hundred percent a hundred percent I mean I was you know I was always sort of still drawing and and uh, and and doing stuff while I was coloring stuff for Jim, but just over the years of seeing how he designs a page and how, like how, how readable his panel to panel is, even though it is like crazy exaggerated and, and has this like, you know, funky style going on. Um, it's sort of, it has absolutely influenced how I draw because I just, from the years of looking at it and reading it and sort of absorbing how he does, like how he gets to where he gets to, right? Like the construction of, of characters, um, page layout, action, um, you know, all of that stuff. So he sort of, he was a perfect, uh, teacher to me of, of like how, where I wanted to go with my sequential stuff. And I also see here too, like uh, when I was listening, uh, 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 Justin was kind enough to provide us an audio commentary for that was provided as part of the Kickstarter for Bleed, Bleed Leaders, where you went page by page and talked about it. And you talked a lot about about your panel setup and how there was oftentimes where you were able to break the panels, and how that might be not something that like me as the like average reader would notice at times. It does lend itself to kind of also giving. Um, like the, like this, whatever's going on can't be contained in this, this one single mm. spot. And you have to, it, it, it gives it more, um, like, like a filmic 
type of quality as opposed to just being in a box. So right, I know you sure. Pointed, it's a, yeah. It makes it. It's um, um, it's a. It makes it more of a cartoon. It makes it more. Uh, it makes it move. Right. It's like you said. You the the space isn't big enough to contain whatever's happening in it. So yeah. So it ha- so it spills out, and it's just sort of. It's a. I think it's a really cool way to kind of shake the reader. You know, and and sort of because there's times where you can you know you can be reading a, a an amazing you know page layout and design, but it can it can get kind of boring because you're just going panel to panel. But then when you, there's a crazy thing happening where something's busting through the panel or transcending the panel for a, a, a specific reason, it kind of kind of slows you down and be like, oh wow, cool. You know, I didn't I didn't expect to see this. And you know, I I just realized too because you know if it wouldn't be invasion of the podcast if we didn't front sell what Bleed Leaders is up front. Why don't you tell <laughs> oh, us a little bit about yeah. <laughs> about the comic itself? And because uh, I just realized I'm like, oh, we've been talking about it, but we haven't actually told the listeners sure. yet about what the story is. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about Bleed Leaders? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bleed Leaders is a comic that is written by my friend John Ward. And then uh, everything else is me um, and and my friend uh, Mike J. Hall helped me flat uh, a, a lot of the the pages in the book. Um, so it's us three, and and the the premise of Bleed Leaders is that it's uh it's a it's a bounty hunter type guy, uh, bail bondsman type guy, you know, um, except at going after criminals, he goes after vampires, and then he has his own reality TV show. Where he is, uh, you know, he's trying to do his 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 vampire hunting thing, and something happens to him that incapacitates him, so he is no longer uh, able to host his show. So the producers then turn it into a reality competition show, where they bring in uh, multiple contestants and and follow them around with cameras as they try to hunt vampires, and uh, and yeah, whatever you think would ensue ensues. I was just gonna say, I thought that was that was fascinating. The the uh, well, a the uh, Janet Lee and Psycho kind of divergence that the first like three pages takes because you you're right, setting yeah, it up yeah. for that uh, yeah. main character to to be the character that you're gonna follow. And mm-hmm. um, but I I really thought the whole reality show angle of it was interesting, particularly after being at Scarefest and like noticing that half the guests there were all like paranormal like. Show absolutely, people, man. Like, yes, um, and I, I, <laughs> I, I'm a big horror guy, but I don't delve into like the reality show stuff side of it. So I was kind of surprised. I'm like, oh, there's a huge following for this that I didn't even realize. And then um, I just thought, with you know where we are as a culture when it comes to you know reality shows, as it is, like doing a vampire story as a reality show is is pretty ingenious. So. Oh, uh-huh. thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, when when because uh, John Ward had pitched me that story, like he had a bunch of stuff uh, uh, that I was wanting to do with him, um, and then he he pitched me that, and I was like, all right, yeah, that's the one that that we're gonna do. Like that's the one. <laughs> like I, my my brain lit up when he pitched me that. Um, so yeah, I, I, again, I did too. I thought it was a, an amazing concept. I was like, why no one has done this is uh, is beyond me. <laughs> Well, it's actually in your your Kickstarter uh, video as well, where you guys are standing in the store, and you're like, you know, I I, I see a lot of great stuff, but I'm not seeing the book that I would want to read. Right, yes. And I think that that's kind of where we all start, is like, I want to do something, but I want to do, you know, the thing that I'm not seeing. And I I think that's very true of Bleed Leaders. I think that there's a lot of... uh, I don't want to say room to run, but like, Mm -hmm. there's so many possibilities of where you guys could take the story. It's really cool. Yeah, it's so much fun, and I mean, and we're talking now, um, 
we talked at the the Lexington Toy and Comic Con. Uh, he was there doing. We had a little signing, and uh, and we were talking about what's next. Um, so there is more on the way, um, and that's you know available on my site if you want to grab it. And if you if you buy a copy, either digital or physical, I'll send you the the commentary MP3 for free. Yeah, which is it's 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 great to hear because it's a good nuts and bolts and thought process. And actually, that's I was going to ask a question about that. Um, so you were talking about when you were like you know there was this notion I got that you were hesitant uh, to do this because you didn't feel that you would be able to deliver all of the pages. Mm-hmm. And so and you said what was around page four is when you started feeling confident and what you're able to do. So like what, what, like what light bulb turned out, turned on or what self doubt fell away? Like what happened there where you're like, you know what? I got this. Oh yeah, man. It was, um, just because I had, I started on the book in 2015 and I had to take all of 2016 off because I was working on girl scouts with Jim. Um, and that was because, you know, I do have a a part-time day job and then I would come home and I didn't have, any time to work on, on anything else other than Girl Scouts. Um, so then when I got back into drawing bleed leaders, um, I had, I had sort of taken, you know, you had mentioned before about, you know, Jim influencing me. Um, so I had, I had sort of absorbed that whole year of looking at his pages and, and, you know, finishing a story from beginning to end with him. And, uh, and that sort of, it clicked me over to be like, yeah, I should, yeah, I can finish this thing. I can, I I should finish this thing. I need to finish this thing. Um, and then once I got into it and once I had the, the dedicated time, um, it was, yeah, it just, I just, I just went through it. Yeah. I I can say that I'm, I'm, I can absolutely relate, uh, to what you're saying about having to take time away and then come back and then take time away. Yeah, and if you if you look like there's there's a definitive art shift after the first three or four pages mm-hmm. of the book, um, like I sort of I sort of level up like halfway through the book. <laughs> yeah, I, I, heard, I heard the word ding as I was going through. I'm like, oh, look at that! Plus, <laughs> right, plus yeah. one yes. to this. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask too, because I know that there's like it looks like there is. Um, I mean, there is a shift, but it almost feels like that with the different contestants on this show, they're almost presented in completely different styles themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I, so I'm, so that I'm going to guess that was, you know, a purposeful choice to be like, we got the, the, the Wesley Snipes that looks like the Wesley Snipes, of course. Right. Um, which by the way, the hey, that's, drop that's, zone shirt is great. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. That's his, uh, uh, stunt double, not Wesley. Oh, oh yes. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. It's his, it's his stunt double he, that, uh, he, you know, is, is, uh. Better Being with his Wesley money. Snipes' yeah. stunt double is his identity, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, and he has an accountant as well. But but yeah, I just I just I saw that it looks like uh, they, that each one of them looks like they could be in their own separate comic with their own style. And I absolutely yeah. yeah. And I actually have this is a really weird question, so I'm gonna apologize in advance. But and it's only because of one face in one scene. But like, there's a face of one of the characters in one of the scenes that looked very much to me like it was influenced by Gendy Tartakovsky, um, who did like Samurai Jack and Star Wars, the Clone Wars stuff from uh, 15 years ago. Now, were you a fan of his at all? Because, oh man, or was it just absolutely. My like the like, fact that you, you would say that is, it gives me, gives me like goosebumps all over. Like, that's awesome, man. Absolutely. Like his, again, his, his stuff, was revolutionary to to me. I had never seen anything like that at the time, you know. And I was watching it live as as the stuff was airing. And then, you know, I'd seen his previous work. And then when Samurai Jack hits, like, 
those backgrounds on that show are some of the best that's ever been done. And like when I would just watch those on repeat over and over again when there was nothing, you know, I had nothing to do. So absolutely his stuff was, was a huge influence. Just the way he puts together a story and, and the way he shapes, like builds his worlds. It's yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Cause I, I, <laughs> I was hoping that I wasn't asking a question. You're like, no, I've not watched it or <laughs> so I'm glad. I'm sorry. What samurai who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're like, you're like, I like hotel Transylvania. That's all. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so with with you writing with, with, with sorry you working with the writer doing more of like a, like a horror comic slash there is there's comedy in it and it is taking the piss out of like the reality TV portion of things, um, so what do you what do you think about like the state of like of of horror right now and the sense mm. of like presentation because I feel like there's a lot of good stuff coming right now but I also feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of exploitative stuff that just doesn't have a lot of depth I mean yeah if you want to look at blood blood and guts that's out there but I, I think for a comic, I don't know if you could just get away with just showing gore and then that's your issue. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, I think horror comics are, com- are, are, you know, there's not enough of them. Um, and I think that they can be, they can be a lot more than, yeah, like you said, just, you know, blood and gore. But like, if you, if I see some beautifully rendered blood and gore, I'm like, oh, I can appreciate that. Um, you know, and then. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. That's my Dang job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I like, so like Steve has a horror background. He does, he does a comic yeah. involving, you know, a slasher that ventures out one day a week, you know, and does things. Um, Sundays are the Lord's day. Uh, so, so he can <laughs> yeah. only work on Saturdays. Um, and, and even he rests. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and we're fan like, uh, hereditary is one of like the best like movies last year, like blew oh, my yeah, mind. 100%, yeah. Um, and like us just came out. So I feel like horror is in a good spot in some ways, but then there's other times where it's like, I feel like it falls on its keys. So yeah, I mean, I, there's, there's always going to be people that, that try to take it and, and I won't say elevate it, but you know, like work with it and try to make it, uh, something new and interesting. And then you have those people that are just like, we're just going to make this movie and, and, and try to make some money off of it. And it's going to be just like everything else or just like, you know, ABC movies, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that that's kind of always what's, you know, what's happening. So, um, what kind of, what kind of horror and vampire stuff influences you with this? Cause I'm, it takes from a lot of different sources I can see, but, but yeah. what's the things that you enjoy and want to bring forward more into what you're doing um, here? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I love all the hammer stuff. Um, so all of the, all of the, the Draculas and, and, and brides of Draculas and castles of Draculas and blood mountains of Draculas, you know, whatever that, that, uh, that hammer put out. Um, all that stuff was a, a big influence. And then um, I thought it would be cool again to make the vampires like more, more monstery. Um, so oddly enough, the, uh, do you guys, it was the tales from the dark side, the movie. Oh, Remember the third where story. Don Chong was the gargoyle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that movie. So, yeah. So I kind of, I kind of took um, their design from, from that. Uh, so yeah. That's cool. Um, keeping on that same note, like I did notice that you've like kind of threads of different, you know, obviously we mentioned the blade, um, stunt double. Um, and you mentioned in the auto commentary, auto commentary, the audio commentary that, uh, the number 31 pops up as being the first Lugosi, um, 
uh, Dracula film being released. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, I mean, it's, I feel kind of I feel like it's kind of it's it should just sort of be accepted that, you know, when when you ask about influences like universal monsters should just be standard procedure at this point. Right. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like it's like, yeah, I like comics. I'm into Jack Kirby. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah. Everyone is, and you should be. There's a reason for that, you know. <laughs> well, there's also small details. Like I love the logo that you did for Transylvania Air. <laughs> yes. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah awesome. I need a shirt with that on it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. And and like um, when you have people, because I designed it in a way that it's like it's it's a couple different things all in one, and then some people see you know one shape in it, and some people see another shape in it, and then like yes, it's all it's all intentional. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I need I need a shirt of, of Eddie's van, like the side of his van. <laughs> right. I need that. Like, right. That's that's pretty amazing. Um, I thought about like uh, one of the one of the Kickstarter um, stretch goals that we didn't get to was um, I was going to do like glossy eight by tens of that of that and have uh, have have them being signed. <laughs> oh man, you need to have that for conventions. <laughs> So is the is the gunsaw is that like um is that kind of like uh, trying to raise the stakes against like Army of Darkness with like a oh, chainsaw yeah. hand? Okay, absolutely. Yeah, it's like what you know. Yes, it'll chop things in a very uh, you know non precise, gory way. How else can we make this absolutely you know a, a murder machine? It's like well, just duct tape a shotgun to it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, I was just curious, uh, you know, on the writing side with with Justin writing it, did you guys? Uh, um, I'm sorry, I. <laughs> what? Go ahead, Steve. No, Try. I, you, I just, use, use the words. Yeah, I just, we're talking to Justin. Realized, yeah, um, no worries, man. <laughs> with with uh, with your partner writing it. Um, mm-hmm. Did, John John Ward. John Ward. Yeah, I don't know why I said Justin, and oh, it's, it's we have the computer up, and I can see your name, and <laughs> I just read your name. Uh, we've met. I don't understand. <laughs> um, no, uh, with you and John working together, did you guys like sort of suss out like what the initial storyline would be, or was it like I got this idea, and you tell him go write it, um, and when it comes to where you guys want to take it, have you guys? worked on that together going forward or um is it kind of like still compartmentalized yeah i mean he um excuse me the the original draft you know script that he sent me is essentially intact and one of the weird things is like the 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 blee leaders that is out there in the world right now is sort of a a truncated version of of two issues together um and uh so he sent me you know, script, and I was like, "Is there a way?" Because I knew going in that, you know, again, like, you know, uh, Steve, like making comics is hard, and it takes a long time. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, so he sent me these things, and I was like, "Is there a way that we can condense this into a a readable story that's not, you know, that's still not uh, forty eight pages, right?" I was like, "I can give you fourteen, you know." And so we sort of we went we bounced back and forth between stuff, and then once we had the fourteen pages. Um, squared away uh he you know he just said do your thing and it's cool because he trusts me enough to you know to not only do character designs but like actually build the thing um and trust me enough to you know when i lay something out or when i you know what when i'm starting to work on it or you know all through the process like i can take i've i've i did it plenty of nights where i would take a picture on my phone of a panel or something and send it text it to him I'm like, can I, you know, can I combine these two panels into one or can I split these or can I play with, you know, again, you know, I mentioned um, 
breaking the the panels and stuff. It's like, can I? And he just let me play. He's like, yeah, do whatever. He's like, whatever you think will work and look again, look cooler. Um, because it's comic books. It's not supposed to look real. You know, it's not supposed to. Um, it's not supposed to look uh, hyper realistic, right? Um, it's supposed to be more than that. It's supposed to be a cartoon. It's supposed to reflect, you know, all the insanity and everything. So yeah, so he he uh, he completely trusted me. And then ever since it came out, we've been talking about what's next and sort of we're always, you know, it's again that's the communication thing. Like we're always sort of open with each other back and forth of like this is a good idea. I think I think we should try this. Um, let's do it this way. And and he's been super cool with that. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned the the and, and this may be just putting my own spin on it, but like the question of what's going to happen next, or where the story is going to go next, or where the next issue is. Um, you know, I oddly enough, the Scarefest before that, the Siren Slasher was just a web comic. We hadn't done any print editions for it, and mm. I did. You know, print issue of the first issue was all the pages that we had. And uh, took it with me, you know, and then I started people asking, where's the second issue? And I'm like, oh, my (laughs) God, do you know what it took me to get to here? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, yeah. And it's great that they're excited. But like, yeah, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, it's like, can you just can like, can you just enjoy that? There's there's one. You can read it again. (laughs) You can read it again. (laughs) I promise there's more coming. I just I'm slow. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a thing where, you know, like, you know, people think that, you know, uh, that, you know, since you make comics, it's like, yeah, that's you just make comics. Like, well, no, I have to do other things to, you know, to pay like I can't walk to the electric department and pay my bill with like a drawing of Batman. Oh, I wish you know, I could. Like a, <laughs> if, if I wish, you know, so it's like, no, I, I have to do other things to make money so that I can work on these comics that that you, you know, take 10 minutes to read and immediately want something new from me. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steve. No, oh, I was gonna no, say, no, yeah. No. I mean, it's it takes time, and and yeah. The, one of the first questions, everyone, what is the next one? When I, when it's out is when it's out. I, I feel like we're at a point now with technology and 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 content that people that don't create content just you know they could they have everything. You could just get more, you know. And it's it's tough. Like knowing, I mean, like we, we do a podcast, like it's not nearly the same degree of difficulty as putting together a comic, but I still put thought, you can't prove it by this conversation, but I still put thought into what we do. <laughs> and I'm always thinking about what does come next, but it isn't just something yeah. that just, you know, it comes out of the ether, you know? So I, I yeah, think, absolutely. And I think, I think that that's a, you know, that's a, a common thing with creative people is like, yeah, we're creating things. And so a lot of our time is spent trying to think of the next thing to create, even while we're working on a something you know in the in the immediate time um so our our brains are sort of always going forward so please believe yes there is more it's just give me the time to think about it and then also the time to execute it (laughs) and then you know you you mentioned like the other people like yeah all they do is consume they just binge everything right um because that's that's kind of where we are it's just like yes i have ingested your your 20 pages of of reading material more please yeah, <laughs> I mean it, it's a compliment, it's, but it's but it's also like I just not that people need to appreciate. I mean they do, but you know, yeah, like, yeah exactly. It's, yeah, it's not always, to, yeah, it's not to to say that they don't. It's just that they're used to being able to immediately have more of it. Yeah, uh, don't have uh, the marketing or the uh, 
the financial, you know, ability to be able to do it the way like a DC or Marvel does. So sure, please yes. bear with yes. me. <laughs> so, Steve, you're not telling me that you just yes. like bust out like a sketch, like a tiny piece of paper and be like, okay, well, here's what happens next. And just try to like, just draw it out fast. Like, here you go. Here's your issue too. That would be $10, please. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. yeah. It's the Cliss Notes version of, of what's next. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, I know you had worked on, on Howard the Human. Uh, so with that, not that like Marvel's the end all be all or like the pinnacle, mm-hmm. but like, is there, was there like when you, when you were doing this and, and still working towards this, was there any like, not milestone, but was there always in the back of your mind of like, it'd be cool if I did this with this company or this, you know, or anything like, I, I just know that, you know, for me, I love Marvel, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what everybody wants to do or what that, you know, their experience with that is the, the most positive of all experiences creating. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's, um, you know, when I started out, it was a thing of, you know, that was what everybody was obsessed with is like, how do you get to the big two? Cause you know, back when I was sort of trying to get in, it was the, the times of like exclusive contracts and all this stuff. And all these dudes were getting these crazy big bonuses. And, and, uh, and so I, that was, that was absolutely something I tried to pursue early on, but then I just sort of saw how, you know, how difficult it is one to get in there and, and two to like, to stay there and keep doing stuff. So I just kind of, I just kind of dropped it as like, yeah, I'm, you know, it's not, uh, it's, it's not the end all be all. Um, and then to come around again and have this opportunity where Jim was like, Hey, uh, Scotty wants to me to draw this, uh, Howard, the duck story for him. Uh, you want to color it? I said, Okay. And then it was it was kind of cool after the fact of like yeah I got you know I had a had a Marvel thing it's kind of cool I mean because growing up reading comics um, you know it is that that was your sort of uh, for me anyway it was a, it was a thing like oh these are the people that make comics so you know if you work for them then it sort of it gives you a, a, a legitimization right um, so yeah I, I had I had focused on it early on and then I just kind of got disenchanted with it. Or, or something changed and it just wasn't as important. Um, so I just sort of, I, I chose to just ride with Jim and just kind of do whatever projects he kicked my way. And then, cause it's pretty obvious that, you know, uh, Jim is not the, the Marvel comics house style, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it has to, it has to be special stuff that, that he gets brought in to do for a company like that. You know what's funny about that though is, is and I hopefully I won't go off on too far of a tangent here, but like, you know, Steve, you're among friends. Yeah, <laughs> please when do. When you say please that, do. like, it always boggles my mind. Like when, I guess, like comics are so malleable in the sense that, like, you know, take Batman for instance. You can have an issue drawn by Jim Lee, or you can have an issue drawn by Kelly Jones. Same character, but they're two drastically different guys. I mm-hmm. wish there was more of that in comics, because like reading Howard the Human, because um, I just picked it up recently uh, and looked at it, and I'm like, God, this story was so much fun, and like it was one issue, and that's another beef of mine. Like I, I don't like how everything's interconnected. Everything on both DC and Marvel side right now um, where I can't get just a comic anymore, but um, see that I'm going off on a tangent. Well, no, <laughs> but, like, but it was part of the battle world thing from the, this, you know, the thing. That yeah, happened yeah. Yeah. So, but like, I do wish that like, you know, like there's, there's no reason to me that we couldn't have, you know, I remember back in like 97, 98, Jim put out a Generation X special. It was just a yeah. black and white comic that was the underground amazing. special. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, why can't we get more of this? Like, 
I think it's it's because you know now it's you know comics are not the end product, right? Like that's what they they used to be the end product. It was like boom, here's a comic, check it out, it's cool. Um, but now the comic is boom, here's a comic. Who can we show this to to get a cartoon or movie out of it, um, or or to you know to, to for whatever ends? And I think that it's sort of you know I, I like I like the example of Batman that you brought up because he is a precisely the kind of character that can be put in any of any story, right? So you can have the dark, you know, grim and gritty Batman, but then you can also have Silver Age, you know, pink suit Batman. You know, it's like and and you can have a multi multitude of artists interpret it in a multitude of ways and and to me that's where the real artistry comes from is being able to take a care any character and tell any sort of story with them and i think it's a yeah i think it's a shame that that the bigger companies because it's it's you know it's not like they don't have the money right right it's like they they have infinite dollars to spend so it's like why not hire you know off off beaten path people to, to, to work on stuff because, again, no one knows. That's the big secret in comics, right, is no one really knows what's going to be a hit and what's not going to be a hit. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, you're, you're always throwing spaghetti at the wall with stuff, so why not get creative people to do creative things? And who knows how it could shake out? You know, I mean, it, you look at, like, um, like Scotty Young's New Warriors thing that he did back in the, the mid-2000s or early 2000s, right? Like, that stuff blew up, and like from that, that's where we get um, a lot of the animated series type stuff that we get today, right? And it was them taking a chance on a different kind of style uh, of of storytelling and and character design and all this stuff. And you know, most of the time, it will it will turn out all right. I mean, it'll at least be appreciated by all the other artists, you know. And it, and it could be a thing where it was it would help um, bolster. The community be like, yeah, I mean, you know, Marvel hired me to do this weird, strange tales book. You know, they did that for a while, um, and I guess they saw that it was didn't make them enough money. But it's like I would love to have anthologies like that with just weird artists doing weird stuff with Batman, Spider Man, all those cats. Yeah, and it's you know going back to Batman, I do, I do feel like. You know, they did a little bit of that with their black and white series where they were, you know, spending a little bit more time on just like, here's eight pages, do what you want. Yeah, uh, DC is, is they're, they're way more uh, um, interested in doing that, I guess, um, because they'll do, you know, they have all that Elseworld stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that's to me, like, that's great um, because DC knows that people are, again, they're going to make toys. So people want to buy the toys or people want to buy the animated series or, you know, movie special or whatever. Um, but you get those through doing those sort of more, I, I don't know, dare I say more artistic, but I guess, <laughs> uh, you know, you're taking a bit more of a chance with that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I just, uh, you know, and I think also just being sort of in my own bubble of like trying to create something and, you know, I come here and I, I talk to Paul week to week and we have discussions about comics and, and stuff like that. Like it was refreshing to read, you know, Bleed Leaders and Howard the Human and and revisiting Girl Scouts and just realizing like, God, these comics are so much fun and like they're so beautifully done. Like I want more of this out there. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. And and and. That's that should be the end goal of of all of us is like we should just make cool looking stuff, um, and and just and again it's comics 
you guys. It's not supposed to be serious. <laughs> it's comic books. You know, it's yeah, like, I forget that sometimes. All, yeah, you have all these dudes that, yeah, <laughs> you know, that want to scream about character X, Y, or Z. You know, like, this isn't my Thor or my Batman. It's like, no, it never was. <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs> you know, that you don't own these things. They are trying everything they can to make money. So, so go with it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, the The last question that I wanted to ask you um, was just in regards to uh, the Lexington Comic and Con- uh, Comic and Toy Convention. Um, I know that you're the art director for the show, and um, it was just a couple weekends ago. How did the show go? And can you tell us a little bit about just your position as the art director there? Yeah, um, the show was great. Um, it was uh, it was the first. This was the eighth year. Um, of the show and the convention center where the show was held had a lot of construction going on this year. So the showrunner and and people involved were worried that it would sort of, you know, uh, cost, you know, people coming through the door and and sort of deter people from coming downtown. But we didn't, we didn't see any of that. I mean, we had a nice steady flow of people all weekend. Um, It was, it was Thursday through Sunday this year. Because unfortunately, uh, our show happened the same weekend as C2E2. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So so even with that, um, the the attendance was was really nice. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's 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 a really cool event. And um, and I'm working to get um, more of an artist alley representation there in the coming years. Once the once the construction is over and he'll have up to three times as much space as he's had in the past. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, uh, you'd mentioned that I should, I should apply last year for this year and I just didn't have it in the, the budget to, to travel again, but, uh, I definitely want to, uh, try for next year. So, yeah. Um, um, I, I, from everything I've seen online, it looks like a fantastic show and it's a great show, man. And it's, um, you know, the showrunner really, uh, cares about creative people, um, you know, and that sort of, he brought me on as art director. And so I do like all the show promotion images and, and, and do all the designs for the guest slides and stuff like that. And, and he's always been really open. His name is Jared Greer, uh, and his wife, Jamie, uh, they run the show and they've always been super open, uh, to sort of like we had talked about before, like letting, a creative person do their thing. Um, and he's, he's very much a guy that's like, I, I want creative people and I want knowledgeable people to do the work that I don't know how to do. And he's, he's absolutely on front street about like, I don't know how to do any of this. So I want, I want them to do it and make it look good. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so, yeah, so it's been, it's been a blast, uh, to work with them on this. Um, and and like I said, it's it'll be our our tenth anniversary will be in twenty twenty one, I think, um, and it should be a pretty big deal. Sweet. All well, right. I I will uh, if if I can afford it. And well, you'll uh, you'll have travel. what two three issues by that time. You yeah. gotta take that with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can just stay with me, Steve. It's cool. I got, a, I, got I got extra guest bedroom and and I got plenty of air mattress space. So yeah, man, yeah. just come crash with me. Awesome. All right. yeah. So. 
So, Justin, this, this has been awesome uh, uh, talking about uh, Bleed Leaders and your work and, and just, you know, talking about your what you do. We, we appreciate sure. that. So yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. Well, you you make this sound easy because otherwise it'd just be Steve and I just being like, you know, Spider-Man. And then that's all we talk about. <laughs> or Star Wars. That's, you know. Well, see, that's that's that. And that's other, that's one of the other uh, weird things I'll say real quick is like, um, you know, being involved with the with the comic and toy convention, um, you know. People are always asking me like, "What celebrities are coming? Like, like who you know from what TV show or movie is coming?" And I'm like, "I don't know." But you know, we had Jim Stranko one year, and I'm like, "I went to Jim Stranko's table, and it just like it just turns into the Chris Farley show with me." Right? Like, remember, the, remember the Agents of Shield you did? That was awesome. You know, <laughs> like, but yeah, I can talk to any celebrity and just be like, "Hey, what's up? You know, having a good time? Blah blah blah," and just sort of you know shoot it with them for a minute. Um, but yeah, I only get tongue tied around other, uh, artists that I admire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, rightfully so. That's uh, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. So, um, if you could just do a, do us the honor of, of you telling everybody like the best way to locate you, like what else you got going on? Cause I'm sure you would, you would promote yourself much better than I would stumbling through it. So let everybody know uh, how to find you and what you got going on right now. Oh, we'll do. Thanks. Thanks so much, man. Um, yeah, you can go to justin 3000com uh, it's J U S T I N three zero 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 dot com. And that's got my illustration portfolio and some comic stuff I've done and graphic design stuff I've done, logo work, book design work. And it's also where you can find my Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and store. So I've got stuff in the store, digital versions of everything um, that I've made. So you can, you can, and a lot of it is pay what you want. Um, so you can, you can just grab it for free if you want. No worries. Um, so yeah, that's 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 the best place to to see what I got. Perfect. All right. So again, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And everybody, go check out Bleed Leaders and uh, you know go go see not Wesley Snipes in this. And it's a, it's a good time. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Thank you. All right, and thanks again to Justin for coming on the show and class note the joint. It was a fun interview. Um, so, yeah, uh, you guys can check out his his work. Uh, he uh, told us it was available at. Do you have his info or no? We don't. <laughs> I have it up here somewhere. We just talked. He just he just plugged it like two minutes ago, and I'm like, where is that? So you can find him at Justin three thousand um, at Twitter and at Justin three thousand Stewart on Instagram. Um, so you can go find his work there, and, and then his website Justin three thousand. There you go. Perfect. All right. So see, we got through that. So and uh, you could find us on um, Invasion of the Podcast. We're on Facebook. We're invasionpodcast.com, where I have some poorly written blogs about our year of canon. I know we just um, got through ten to midnight last week, and I hope you guys hope you guys enjoyed that film as much as I did. It was a lot of fun. Um, I now actively run naked through the woods, um, not killing people, but you know, I just want to feel free. <laughs> just, you know, uh, so uh, there's going to be another canon film coming up shortly on the blog. I don't remember off the top of my head which one that is, but I'm sure it'll be wonderful. Uh, you can find us, our podcast, on uh, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, um, Satchel, uh, Google Music, wherever you, you find your podcast. Please rate and review us. That'd be great. That means that more people will see us, and it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, and also, I'm going to be helping friend of the show, uh, Jeff Ritchie. And by helping, I mean, you know, he's going to be doing everything, and I'm just going to be wandering around probably with a microphone at his thing that he is doing, his his David Bowie-like experience 
called Aladdin Sane. It is uh, May 9th, uh, 7 p.m. at the Bob Stop in Cleveland. Tickets are $10. It's going to be a night of David Bowie music, like art, just cool stuff. Uh, and yeah, I'll be there. Um, hopefully collecting people's thoughts, their musings about David Bowie. And Steve's going to be there as well, uh, heckling me. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, bought my tickets. We're excited to go. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know why, but when you said collecting their thoughts, like I had like this weird like Star Trek thing like in my brain. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be where, like, like Stardate. Where you're stealing Trying to find Star thoughts. Child. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'll be playing this game with Will Wheaton where we just have these visors on. It's going to be a weird night. But yeah, check out Aladdin Sane. Uh, it's going to be a great show. And uh, this, I know Jeff's working really, really hard on it, but everything so far looks amazing. So please go go do that. 10 bucks for a ticket to go. If you're in Cleveland, to go listen to David Bowie music all night and look at artwork. That's a pretty yeah. good deal. So um, yeah. And and and. How can people find you, Stephen? What are you doing? Uh, you can find me at the Saturday Night Slasher dot com on Instagram under the Saturday Night Slasher and Twitter the Saturday Slasher. Um, in person, you can find myself and Ryan Cassandy uh, the weekend of May thirty first through June second at Retro Invasion Weekend in Westlake, Ohio. Guests include Joe Bob Briggs, Diane Franklin, Robert Kurtzman, Courtney Gaines, Mark Metcalf, and artist Gary Pullman. Uh, Pullen, sorry, I always say Pullman for some reason. It's it's already uh, ghoulish Gary. Is a better way of putting it. If you know his artwork, it's uh, always by Ghoulish Gary, um, phenomenal artist. And then the following uh, uh, later in the month, we're going to be both at uh, Dark X Fest in Hudson, Ohio, uh, and that's June 29th through 30th. Um, guests there are going to be Caroline Williams, Bill Johnson, uh, John Dugan, Don Yeager, Felissa Rose, and more. So come check us out. We'll be the ones selling the comic books called the Saturday Night Slasher. And uh, We'll have uh, all kinds of cool art and stuff like that to, to to sell. So please come by and say hi. Perfect. All right. So uh, now that we've uh, plugged everything that we're doing, um, and you guys could you know, find us and do all those things, it'd be great. Uh, we're going to move on to um, our our. So WrestleMania is this Sunday, um, and so I, I've, I've uh, created for Steve a WrestleMania type experience. So I, we're just going to we're going to play the game. And so it's very appropriate that we have uh, Triple H uh, introducing this kind of WrestleMania. Nice. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> and I shouldn't say Triple H. That is that's Lemmy from Motorhead. So Triple H's, it's Triple H's intro music. Or so anyway, whatever. It's getting late. Um, cause we're now at the end of the show. We were yes. early, we, we were first at the middle and then now, then we did the beginning and now we're at the end. It's so. like we're in a Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I do, I just, I, I drank a lot of water before we got into this part of the dream and it's going to be raining outside. That's what's going to two Christopher <laughs> Nolan, uh, references so far tonight. So I figured in the spirit of WrestleMania and also because, uh, Steve, I don't know if you're aware that Colin Jost and Michael Che are going to be in the, the, um, the Andre, the giant rumble part of the. WrestleMania, no, so the, the, yeah, they're going to be in there. I did not know that. Yeah, so it's a, I'm not sure what's going on with that, but you're going to have the SNL Weekend Update guys in in the Rumble. It's not unusual to have stunt like stunts like this happen during these big yeah. events. Um, the very first WrestleMania had Mr. T in a match with Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper and somebody else I forget. Um, and, and Muhammad Ali was the guest referee for that, I think. Yeah. So not unusual. So I decided it'd be funny um, to take into a, a card, so to speak, of just um, sitcom people 
and then I'm going to give you the matchups. You're going to tell me, like, this is this is the WrestleMania, but with just with sitcom okay. characters. So uh, we're going to have the pre-show match, which is always the one that they show to the people that are subscribed to the network that actually isn't on, you know, the actual, like, you know, it isn't the kickoff. Like, it isn't the actual official one. So you're it's going like to tell me. the red carpet affair of WrestleMania. Yeah, I guess so. So uh, it's going to be Screech from Saved by the Bell Oof. versus uh, Urkel from Family Matters. Because oh, wow. no one cares about either of these guys. Maybe more people care about Jaleel White yeah. um, than they do Dustin Diamond, but this is the match before the thing actually you know, officially starts off. So who's going to win? Who's going to win? I, I feel like Jaleel White's going to win um, just because of the fact that uh, things have not gone Dustin Diamond's way for a very long time. <laughs> um, I don't think they're going to pick up with WrestleMania. Um, also, you know, if I'm going to pick... Uh, you know, Screech never had an alter ego. Like Urkel had, like uh, Stefan. Stefan. Yeah. Urkel. Uh, Urkel. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, when it comes to his ability to become something other than just being Urkel, I think that he's got Screech beat. There was never like a smooth Screech. Uh, <laughs> he just stayed on the shell longer than he should have and kept trying to do the the screechy voice. Uh, for... I just want to believe that uh, Urkel would do whatever, like do some kind of thing with his suspenders and snap them against like you know screech's head and be like did i do that and then like that would be amazing i guess i guess like, that's i i should qualify are we doing the actual characters versus yeah, the actual actors i think the, that's what i'm saying the characters so oh, you're saying he could turn okay. into stefan so yeah he could know. turn into stefan he would definitely uh strangle screech with the um suspenders. with the suspenders while the referee's back is turned um, being distracted by carl winslow who's his, his corner man yeah <laughs> And uh, yeah, because I mean, let's let's face it. Like, chances are, Screech's corner man is, is Zach, and Zach's not showing up. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe Mr. Belding, maybe you know. <laughs> um, but, all right, so we got Urkel running away with us. They kind of, kind of, kind of saw that coming. So uh, next one we have here. Uh, this one's kind of this is a, a blood feud between cousin Larry Appleton and Balky Bartokamus, um, oh, the Perfect wow. Strangers. Uh, you know, so roommates, cousins from different worlds, <laughs> they rise and fall in the wings of their dreams. <laughs> I can't believe there's a perfect stranger reference on this show. <laughs> <laughs> There, there, there's no, there, there's no basement to the show. We just keep digging further and further down. Uh, um, I would say that you realize the Perfect Strangers was the same comedy block as Feeling Matters yeah, for a while. I there. know, okay, but like, like, I guess I, I don't know why. Were that you expecting seems... a step-by-step reference before? Okay, <laughs> is it going to be all TJF matches? No, no. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, you know, I feel like. Uh, cousin Larry has some aggression built up in him, and I feel like he would finally take it out on <laughs> on Balky because Balky's very, you know. Um, oh, and in <laughs> I can't even do it. And Meepios, he's yeah. from Meepios, but so the one thing <laughs> so he would do, the one he, he was basically he do doing the dance of joy, the right? dance of joy. That would be his like his big finisher, right? Is that we do the dance of joy, and I think that would involve some slapping. And also, he'd also have to say real loud that he's not ripping off Andy Kaufman. Um, <laughs> See, for, for a second there, I almost went into Yakov Schmidt. Like, in, in my country. Yeah, in Mepios. <laughs> 
slam bodies you. Like, doesn't make sense. So, I mean, I guess you know he was in 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 two more Eddie Murphy movies than than cousin uh, Larry. So he's got <laughs> the edge there. Um, what cousin Larry? Wasn't he? Didn't they? Wasn't he in the Leftovers? Yeah, which I is haven't weird, seen that show, but <laughs> so my wife was mad. Like when he showed up, she's like, I can't believe they're making a perfect Strangers reference because he's playing the actual actor that played yeah. cousin Larry, right? So did so um did um oh Balky the, his actual name did, did he not make it was he one of the people that i believe he was one of the people who made it okay so but i i didn't watch the show uh, so i'm only going by my wife's complaints uh that he showed up on that um what's his name um bronson pinchot yes right uh so unrelated to this by the so you think cousin larry would take out the take the win yeah i feel like you know he would grab belky by his uh by his head and beat him into the turnbuckle until he passed out (laughs) And then pin him. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, so if you want to see a Bronson Pinchot performance, it just gets ridiculous. Um, there's the the Stephen King miniseries Langoliers. And he plays a guy named Craig Toomey that just starts losing his shit. And he gets more and more crazy. And um, I've never seen that. But for some reason, that it, rings it, a bell. It's not it's not the best miniseries, but his performance, it's great. Because, Was he in another King adaptation or something along those lines? Because I feel uh, like you saw him recently when when we covered the Amazing Stories Mummy Daddy uh, episode because he was in that when we okay. covered on Strange Highways. So we saw him Maybe and he was the, like the of. director or producer. And I'm like, what? What's cousin? Larry? Sorry, not cousin. Larry. What's cousin Balky doing here? <laughs> sorry, sorry, cousin Larry for the win. All right, so uh, next one here. Uh, this is another '80s brawl in the mall. Alex P. Keaton versus Michael Seaver. So we have um, family ties versus growing pains. Oh wow. Um, I want to believe that uh, Alex P. Keaton would find a loophole somehow, some way to beat uh, Mike Seavers. Because a let's let's face it, Mike was never the brightest bulb in in, in the pack on uh, growing pains. Um, and Kirk Cameron's not really proven to be that much brighter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, Alex P. Keaton was always one for knowing all the rules and in. Uh, and how to get around them? And how to wait, how yeah. to get around them at least efficiently yeah. or at least legally? Okay, might be a better way of putting it. I, I'm imagining him, you know, finding a way to, I don't know, probably trick Mike Seavers into not even showing up to the match, and he wins by default. And his like finishing moves, the Reaganomics or something like that would be. <laughs> yeah. All, right. Um, all right, so uh, next one we have here. Uh, let's see, uh, we have it's a women's match. We have Elaine Bennis. Versus Liz Lemon. Ooh, that should be your title match right there. That's that's. It a good almost one. was. Ah, wow. Um, I feel like Elaine's got the moves with her with her uh, dance kicks. <laughs> I feel like she's she's got the 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 right uh, amount of uh, anger in her as well. While mm-hmm. Liz is angry, usually it just you know will result in her um, eating a gigantic bag of Cheetos and. Um, falling asleep early um so i feel like elaine takes the win um simply by uh somebody putting on a song in the background that she just can't stop dancing to and it and liz just accidentally gets in the way fair enough all right so we got uh what else we got here all right so this is a tag team match all right so we got uh, troy and abed in the morning uh, (laughs) versus jake peralta and charles boyle so you got the nine nine versus community uh, do you watch Brooklyn Nine Nine? I don't. So, oh. uh, I mean, I know of those characters, but I don't know sp- specifics. 
Um, I feel like Troy and Abed make a better tag team in the sense that uh, um, they almost share the same brain in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like somehow, somehow, the darkest universe would. Uh, uh, the darkest timeline would the show up. The darkest timeline yeah, would like show would up. Be- very appropriate and like, like a version of abed and troy that were like completely jacked and look like you know hulk hogan and mr t would show up <laughs> i like it all right perfect okay so uh we've got two left this one i called the handyman throwdown it is ron swanson versus tim the Toolman taylor oh ron swanson <laughs> easy ron swanson he would uh he would uh, uh go out chop down a tree make a really nice canoe and then beat <laughs> the shit out of tim taylor and then he would uh, also do it while eating a steak and drinking a fine bourbon okay so what if tim taylor was actually it was him and al borland what if it was like like two-on-one handicap match what do you feel about that um i feel like al would still win because uh you know tim just he doesn't get it man true he needs to always have something blow up in his face and he gets a lesson and that blow and then, up would be the fists of al borden <laughs> and ron swanson in the background just just watching and whittling all right so we got we got our championship match the big the big one here uh it's our basic cable championship it is archie bunker versus al bundy Ooh, that's a good one mm-hmm. oh man i feel like uh well, they both spend a lot of time sitting. Like Archie's got his favorite chair, and Al is always on the couch with yeah. his hand down his pants, which is weird. That I like maybe too much information, but like sometimes I'm sitting on the couch, it just feels right to like <laughs> put my hand in the side of my pants, just yeah, like oh uh-huh. yeah, sit yeah, comfortably did, like I, Al did. I did uh, score four touchdowns in one game. <laughs> um, oh man, you know I. I let me let me complicate it further. Like they would go to throw down, but then there's going to be a third challenger that would appear and be Red Foreman. Oh, I love me some Red Foreman. Actually, I I just love that actor. Um, oh yeah, and, What's his and name? now his <laughs> name's escaping me. Um, uh, Clarence Boddicker's uh, Clarence Boddicker. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I can see his face. Yeah, um, but uh, I feel like. Between those three, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Red would put his foot right up both their asses. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. Red Foreman they... does not mess around. He's played by. And let's be honest, Al does Kurt really Wood well. Smith. Kurt Wood Smith. Yeah. Thank you. Al does really well until usually the last five minutes of an episode. And he gets cocky, and then yeah. things fall apart. So and then, and and then Archie Bunker would say something racist, and then probably just you know get thrown out of the ring. <laughs> yeah. So. He would he would get beat up by his own chair like they throw they like take the chair they would break his his uh his chair sitting in his house uh over and break it over yeah. his head. and those were the days and send him on his way right so all right so that was a, that was kind of a like a like a, theor, a theological like it was a mind theological? puzzle there theological <laughs> no that's what that's not what I would say yeah it's been really religious no that was a thought a thought experiment not theological because we, we know Red Foreman is is God now. Uh, dumbasses. Um, it's been it's been a long night. So yeah. So Steve, I'm I'm glad that you've uh, you told us how these matches are going to end in our, our uh, sitcom WrestleMania. Who knows? I'd yeah, I them. wish I'd have been more creative. I don't know. Uh... I wish I would have been more creative too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like you know. I'm just going to have the brats from the '80s fight it out. See what happens. <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't. It's uh, 
who knows? There's the Celebrity Deathmatch series, right? That was always yeah. kind of fun. So that you know, this isn't too yeah, far Yeah, I guess I that. should have, have thought of it in those terms. I don't know why my brain was like suddenly so literal. <laughs> You're like, well, Archie Bunker, I mean, was he a veteran? I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Al did score four touchdowns Touchdown. one game. And he can, he can bowl like no other sometimes. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, next week, uh, we're going to be taking a look at the Netflix original series, Death, Love, and Robots. Um, I know it's been out for like two weeks, but we had year of the knockoff then we had this awesome interview so we're not a chance to get to it it's going to assume that would be enough time for everybody else to get to it so we're going to watch it we're going to talk you about have it. your homework yeah it's on netflix just go watch it. it's robots everyone um, has netflix now or they're stealing it one of the two <laughs> so i've also heard that this is kind of a bit abrasive in some of the subject matter so oh, be, buyer beware <laughs> uh I, there's there's se- severe like i've seen the first segment it is very violent it was a, it was a cool segment, but it doesn't shy away from the violence or like the nudity. Oh, yeah. So you're like, oh, this is what. But but each one is supposed to be different. So mm-hmm. uh, it'll be fun to kind of talk about. I know I don't think we're going to talk about each segment, but I'm sure we'll talk about the experience and, yeah. and everything like that. So all right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, have a great week. Um, and go go buy Bleed Leaders. Go support Justin. Yeah, head to his website. Check him out on Instagram and, and uh, Twitter. Um, go support the book. It's cool. Yeah. All right. So till till next week. Um, this has been Invasion of the Podcast, and uh, we'll we'll see you next time.